Oh, it's a pig! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Lake Erie Kayak Anglers Podcast, the podcast designed to make you a better angler. I'm Chuck Earls from LakeErieKayakFishing.com. I'm Jason Duca with Yaktastic Duca Fishing. Today we're talking about something that we all need, but we may not know it, and that's power. We need power for our electronics. We need power for our accessories. We need power for our trolling motors. And how do we get that power? Well, we probably need a battery when we're out on a kayak. Today we have Matthew Lardinois with Amped Outdoors, and he's going to help answer all our questions and get us educated on how to buy a battery. Matthew, uh, we just wanted you to start out, maybe tell us how you got started in the industry and tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it and taking this time to uh, discuss this important topic that I know a lot of people are talking about right now. So, uh, yes, Amped Outdoors, uh, we've been around for quite a few years. Um, I was trying to think back as every, you know, as, as years progress, I forget to add how many years we've been doing this, but, um, you know, technically we've only been in the, in this type of industry for a little over three years. Um, we've been selling batteries, um, and we've been around under, you know, previous name for, for almost five years with uh, product development, um, for, you know, uh, well into over six years ago, um, when we started, uh, kind of developing product and, 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 uh, and playing with the technology. But as uh, time has progressed, we've, uh, we've seen the, the, the need uh, for portable power. And, you know, now we're, we're well known, of course, in the open water industry, but we started off, you know, three, four years ago in, um, we are now four seasons in on ice fishing um, and ice fishing electronics. So if you really want to think portable uh, in the Northern States, you have to have power out on the ice when you're you know far away from shore far away from a lot of times a vehicle or, or access to power you gotta have your you have your you know your standard electronics your lighting and, and everything else very similar to kayaks and boats so uh, that's kind of where we started off on the small stuff and you know as we we saw the the demand increase um you know we've developed uh, larger lineups of products um, specifically for uh, other outdoor applications kayaking boating trolling motors uh uh, fishing electronics. Uh, we all know that fishing electronics, just even in the last few years, have advanced drastically, and they they draw a ton of power. And uh, that's what a lot of old technology is not allowed to do, or really doesn't give you, um, especially in the lightweight form factor. Uh, nobody wants yeah. to keep bringing more and more of these heavy lead acid AGM products out in their boats, uh, kayaks, and and ice. So uh, we've come up with a nice lightweight solution for all. Nice. And you're based up uh, in Wisconsin somewhere? Yeah, Hudson, Wisconsin. So if you're not familiar with Hudson, it's the western part of the state, right on the border of Minnesota. So where, you know, the St. Croix River uh, really um, uh, separates Wisconsin and Minnesota. So we're just on the Wisconsin side, very close to Minneapolis, St. Paul, Stillwater, Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, even though we are in Wisconsin, you know, majority of our time actually spent typically on the other side of the border, you know, when, when fishing or doing shows and and stuff like that. So your background comes from uh, ice fishing? Is that you're primarily? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of where my passion was. I really saw the need first. uh, And that's where we started developing the product. And that just kind of, you know, evolved over time. As we saw additional needs out there, Garmin came out with LiveScope. We knew that was, you know, going to be an ice and an open water uh, 
uh, thing. And uh, um, yeah, we just kind of expanded from there. And of course, the boom in kayaking just over the last few years, especially motorized kayaking, we saw that need and we jumped on that early, um, you know, as far as product development went. So, um, so yeah, that, but we did start off in the ice fishing side of it. Um, yep. That's where I kind of, where I hung my hat, uh, most of the time, you know, we, we, in summer months, I didn't get out as much, especially at the kids, uh, winter months, I like to get out a lot, uh, on, on the hard water when I can, uh, typically when I have the most free time. So uh, that, that's where we began. Nice. Yeah. When, I mean, this has been, when I started kayak fishing it was, and I think everybody goes through it, they have electronics, they have power needs and they just don't know how to get started. Or for me, like what size battery I needed, yada, yada, yada. But can you kind of just explain maybe lithium batteries and kind of what technology you guys have maybe developed over the years? Well, before, before we, we dive into the lithium battery side, um, maybe we can just touch on what the difference is because, you know, a lot of people, they go into like, you know, your outfitters and they get just your standard nickel metal hydride, um, lead acid battery. I think that's yeah. nickel metal hydride. Um, you know, versus like the, the lead or the, the lithium batteries where they might not be familiar with, or they really don't know the benefits or why they should go lithium versus, you know, your, your tried and true lead acid batteries. Yeah. Yeah. So you're familiar with lead acid, AGM, wet cell. I mean, there are different types out there, but like what you had in your hand, your traditional lead acid, um, you know, that battery is probably what, six or, you know, six pounds, you know, so to say five, six pounds. Um, and you know, usually seven to nine amp hour, you know, the one that you, you had in your hand, so it's a real small, you know, one that you use for powering kind of your electronics on your kayak or ice fishing. Um, they're, they're heavy, they're seven to nine amp hours. And traditionally with lead acid batteries, um, if, if you're not familiar with it, um, they're made to really only be drawn down about 50% of their rate of capacity. So you want to draw them down to about 11.7, sometimes, sometimes you go a little bit lower. Um, before you start having damaging effects on that battery. So um, a lot of people don't know that. So the reason why people will replace the battery every year, every season or every other season is because they're draining the, the battery to a lower voltage that causes harm on that battery and has long-term effects. AGM is a more you know, uh, advanced technology that you can drain down to 80%. The advantage of, lead or of, of lithium is they can be drained down to 100% depth of discharge without out causing major long-term damage or effects, right? So, yes, if I have a, a seven amp hour or a, say, let's just say a 10 amp hour lead acid battery, typically I'm getting five amp hours usable power. Okay. When I have a 10 amp hour lithium battery, I'm getting 10 amp hours usable power. And uh, that's where you know, a lot of your advantages come in. So same, for, same form factor, uh, a lot of times, uh, um, uh, you know, almost double the capacity, even more than that, you know, we have a 12 amp hour in that form factor. So you're, you're almost getting two and a half to three times the power on a lithium in its form, same form factor than you are with lead acid, and as well as the weight. The weight is the big difference. I mean, my 12 amp hour battery is 2.8 pounds. That lead acid battery is more than double that. So uh, right. there's a lot of advantages there. Um and then, uh, you know, the third biggest difference size weight, overall capacity is longevity, how long they last. So, you know, you're talking five to 10 years, typically for lithium batteries, um, which could be five times longer than a traditional lead or AGM product. 
And if you if you look at the discharge curve on a, a standard lead acid battery battery versus a lithium battery, um, and I know this from power tools, yeah. um, your lithium batteries, they stay fully charged until almost near the end. And then you start losing your voltage. And that's why we can use it all the way down to 100%. Now, your, your lead acid batteries, they actually start curving and dipping down. So you're constantly losing your voltage. And that's yeah. why when it gets to the 11, you know, and a half uh, volts, your fish finder's like, nope, that's not enough power. Yeah. So yeah. like my, my fish finder requires 10 amps or sorry, 10 volts. It requires 10 volts to run. I think some of the smaller ones might only require like nine volts. So what you're saying, if I have a lead acid battery, uh, after five hours, it's going to drain down to a point uh, where it's not going to be able to supply nine volts or 10 volts to the actual electronics anymore. Yeah. So it can, it can get a little confusing. So I know the manufacturers yeah. on like, if you look at a hummingbird, Lawrence Garmin, they all have like a working voltage range. Yeah. So they'll say like 10.5 volts to 18 volts or 10.8 to 20 volts. Those are very common. So that's a working range. Now, a lot of these will actually work down to lower voltages. Sometimes um, you're just drawing as, as voltage drops, your unit's drawing more amplitude, so more power, right? So, it's, so as your voltage drops, you require more, more amperage out of this. You're draining that battery faster. So there are different lithium chemistries out there. Um, you know, lead acid batteries are 12.8 volts, okay? Lithium iron phosphate, which is our, what, well, this is actually, I was touching a different one. Uh, lithium iron phosphate is a 12.8 volt battery. Um, now for fishing electronics, especially in kayaking, you see there's, there's a few different lithium chemistries out there. The first ones that actually hit are uh, an NMC nickel um, magnesium cobalt uh, uh, lithium battery. Um, I know, uh, like, like NACLA FPV, there's, a, there's a few companies that sell them. They're only 11.1 volt batteries. Mm. So, um, because with, with different lithium chemistries, you can only get certain voltages. So there's 11.1 volt lithiums, um, lithium iron phosphates are 12.8. And then we, we actually took that same NMC, um, in a, in more of a premium cell technology, we made a 14.8 volt battery. So that's where a lot of confusion comes in is there's different voltages out there. So like these 11.1 volt batteries will charge up to 12.5 volts and to fully get the, the true capacity on them, you have to drain them down to eight volts. Well, you're, you're, because it's a lower voltage battery to start, it draws more power or your unit draws more power. So that battery will discharge faster. Um, you know, a lot of people swear by that lower voltage, you get less quality of a return on your graph. Um, and that's where lithium iron phosphate is truly the, the, the only 12 volt lead acid battery replacement for lithium chemistry because they're 12.8 volts, you know, pretty much the same. These will charge up uh, to a high 13 volt range and discharge very steady. Like you're talking about Chuck. And then at the end of the life cycle, boom, they just dip. Right. So it's really hard to gauge a capacity on a battery, you know, on a battery like this, but it's really nice because it keeps your your, uh, your battery voltage at about 13 volts, you draw a lot less power. Um, then we came out with that 14.8 volt battery and why this is so unique to the industry. We're the first ones to do this is that this battery charges 16.8 and drains down to 11. It's the wow. complete working voltage range of all of your fishing electronics. So um, as you drain from eight, you know, 16.8 volts, your unit's drawing very little power 
Um, and these batteries are tiny and they, they, they're light and they just last forever. Or I shouldn't say forever, but they last so much longer than any other fishing electronic batteries out there. So we released a bunch of those this last year and they've been huge on people that are running a lot of the live units like live scope, uh, Lorance, uh, units. And of course, yeah, we, we all know Hummingbird's release, uh, hopefully soon. Um, so yeah, they've been very popular with that type of technology. So yeah, there are different lithium chemistries out there. Um, it's important to know what kind you're buying. Uh, I never recommend getting into like that lower voltage, 11 volt unit. Those are great for running light, but for fishing electronics, you're just very inefficient. Lithium iron phosphate or a 14.8 volt lithium, um, uh, will, will give you longer run times per weight and size. And that's the, the life Poe, you always like, I always saw that. And yeah. I was like, what the heck does that mean? But the LI is with the, uh, L- yeah, it's LFP, yeah. L-I-F-E-P-O-4. Yeah. Every, yeah. I, I've, I've heard so many different, different ways to talk about that, but that's the true 12.8. And then, uh, we have the NMC 14.8. So this isn't lithium iron phosphate. This is much uh, like a lead acid battery to okay. where it starts at, at 16.8 volts. And then it slowly drains down to 11. That's really interesting. Now, is there like an average higher end right so like why isn't why don't you make a 24 volt battery you know like yeah yeah so so this is a 14.8 volt battery so when you take a 14.8 volt battery and fully charge it it goes up to 16.8 volts Hmm. there are some electronics that will only work at 17 volts um some will only work up to 18 some will only work up to 20. so if i took like a 20 volt battery and made like a true 20 volt battery. And when you're charging that you're fully charged, it's over that recommended right. voltage range. And so it could either, the unit will either shut off and say high voltage or it just won't work. So um, when putting the cells together, they're literally like little, you know, D-sized batteries or whatever you call them, you put them together in series. They're, you know, in this technology, they're 3.2 volts and this one, they're 3.6 volts. So when you start adding them together, that's where you get that voltage. And then the working voltage range, it's, you know, you kind of geek out on stuff like that. That's what we what we're fascinated yeah. about. But we found that this one, this 14.8 volt battery is best for fishing electronics within the working voltage range that they're intended for. So um, that's why we came out with that. And I think it's really one of the most efficient batteries out there. That's really neat. I mean, basically you reinvented, or I don't know if you invented it personally, you said you're the first one to have it, but you thought outside the box, in my opinion, and created something that's specifically tailored for running electronics and stuff for longer. And, yeah. uh, and a lot of other cups. So we, we, re- one of the first ones releases now this, this voltage was out there somewhere, somehow in some type of component, this is the same type of battery technology, find a lot of laptops and power drills like you're talking about um, and electronic vehicles use, you know, this type of technology. Um, But uh, uh, yeah, it's out there. And now we've seen some other companies actually adapt that. So uh, one thing that we like or we're known for is kind of be the first in in the industry to market certain your specific items. We're not the first one to do 100 amp hour, you know, battery like this, but we might be the first one to do a hundred amp hour battery in this size in a group size 27 case in this weight at only 25 pounds. We're the first to kind of do that, you know, where most other companies are in a group size 27 case and a, you know, in 28 to 30 pound range, we, we, we find ways to develop the product to make them lighter, um, smaller, more efficient, more portable uh, for the applications they're used for. In this case, you know, the marine industry. Now, what 
what kind of life expectancy does one expect from a lithium um, versus like, you know, just your standard lead acid batteries? Like we all know your lawnmower batteries, stuff like that. Every one to two years, you're, you're buying a new one. Yeah. Um, so what, what can they expect if they invest in a good quality um, lithium battery as far as life? Right. So it's a very um, loaded question because this is where it can get very confusing out there. Right. Um, people will look at this battery and see that lithium iron phosphate, like every company has, oh, you know, 80% depth of discharge at 2000 charge cycles, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah so after 2000 charges, you could still have 80% capacity left in this, but batteries will with age, with how you're wiring, how you're using them, they'll all depreciate or wear, you know, wear differently. So um, that's where it gets very confusing. So what I typically tell people is they're built to last five to 10 years. As batteries age, you, you will have a depletion in, in capacity. Um, as you use them, you have depletion capacity, different temperature ranges, um, different charges, you know, type of, of charging, um, not, not taking care of your, um, of your uh, terminal posts and, you know, having built up corrosion will have, you know, additional will cause additional wear and tear in batteries, putting them in, uh, you know, wiring them in parallel series and doing different things with them will, will cause additional wear and tear. This battery is rated at 800 charges. I also say this battery is going to last you five to 10 years. Right. Um, and, it, and it really depends on the battery, the type of application you're using it in. And, uh, but what I usually say is it could be up to five times longer than your traditional lead acid battery. So lead acid batteries, why they wear out, lead acid batteries can, you know, and AGMs can last you many, many more years than, than they are. And it's because most people just don't maintain them properly. Gotcha. They get a, uh, yeah, you're draining the voltage too low, you know, on, a, on some AGMs are, uh, you know, that are 80% efficient. You can draw them down to 10.5 volts safely. But a lot of times people drain them down almost hundred percent. And you cause, uh, or they're not charging them right away, and they're you know uh, uh, keeping them stored at lower discharge rates, and and what happens? You get uh, a plating or a, a buildup on the on the plates inside of that battery, um, and and a lot of times a lot of those uh, the plating and is just something that you cannot fix. So they're like it's a sulfation is what they call it on lead acid. Right. And uh, even though you could do a desulfate, sometimes it's too late and you can't necessarily desulfate a battery. And, and uh, you know, you just, you forget to charge it. The office is like a lawnmower battery. You know, I, I did, I throw one on my riding lawnmower over the winter. No, I did not. <laughs> um, when I went to start it this, this, uh, this spring, did it start? No, it did not. Now, luckily I charged it and now it's, it, it's still working, but I'm, I'm guessing I put a lot of, of wear on that. And it's just one of those things you often set it and forget about it. Right. So, Lithium will last longer solely because they don't have that self-discharge rate of like your lead acid products. Um, and, uh, and they have a built-in battery management system. So it's got a lot of people call them a BMS. So with this battery, I cannot overcharge it. So you can overcharge a lead acid in AGM. Right? This I cannot overcharge. At 14.4 volts, it shuts off and it rests at a lower voltage. That's that's the most I could ever charge this to, right? Um, when I'm discharging this and I'm using it, kind of like you used in that that um, the, the drill situation, it works. And also you see it slow down, it shuts off. That's right. the battery management system shutting it down. When this with the load hits 10 volts, it's going to shut down. So it's not going to allow you to drain it lower than that, causing damage or long-term effect long-term damage on this battery. 
So that's why these will last so much longer. Um, you don't have to worry about, you know, if you, if you have this stored at 50% charge, so to say, they only have like a 2% discharge per month. So even at like five months, I only lose like 10% of the battery capacity, right? So, uh, you know, that's another advantage of the lithium battery technology versus a lead or a GM uh, technology, some of the older ones. Uh, you don't have to, you know, in storing, you don't have to let this sit on a charger all off season. It's actually recommended not to, right? You can just store it at 50% and, uh, you know, uh, maybe every now and then throw a little charge on it to keep the, you know, to keep everything active. But there's very little maintenance required on these because of the built-in battery management system, the low self-discharge rates. Um, and I don't, hopefully I'm not talking over, you know, too many people's heads on, on some of the stuff, but but yeah, that's why they last so much longer is because there's not as much maintenance involved, which a lot of people do neglect with lead acid and AGM. Right. And and with the older lead acid batteries, um, yep. they have uh, what a lot of people call a memory. So if you draw the lead acid battery too, uh, too far down, the battery does what you said, and it kind of creates a memory where now you're only getting 80% of the capacity. Hmm. And I know yeah, the, the yeah. light acid batteries have definitely come a long way from, you know, way back when I was going through electronic engineering and all that good stuff. But um, that's one of the biggest things that I, I found with the, the lithium batteries is there is no memory. You can run it 100% and charge it back up and you have 100% of the battery. Um, right, right. Yeah, and that's, that's a, a very good question that a lot of people ask is like, do I have to discharge it 100% before recharging it? And I always tell them no. Um, you know, my recommendation is can you take your battery out, uh, charge it before your next trip, right? Unless you completely deplete it because you never want to leave a battery sitting at fully discharged. So if you fully discharge it, throw it on the charger right away when you get back home or whatever, right? Um, if you don't completely deplete it, just charge it before your next trip. So lithium batteries don't like to be at 100% for a very long period of time. So much different than lead, right? Um, when they're at 100%, just think, you know, it's a lithium battery, it's all amped up, no pun intended, but like all amped up, like it's, you know, it's just sitting there and, and, and it wants to discharge. Um, don't, yeah, it, it, it's just, that can cause additional wear and tear in the long run. So what I always tell people, and I think most of your reputable lithium companies will say the same thing, is that just charge it before you choose. And that'll give you the longest, you know, longest life out of that battery. Um, you know, when they say 2000 discharge cycles, right? It, it could be, you know, that that's maybe if you have, if you discharge it down to uh, down hundred percent every single time, if you only discharge it 80% uh, and then recharge it every time you might get 2,500 or 2,500 cycles. Um, you know, so there are advantages of just charging your battery before you choose. It's not like, you know, oh, I just use the charge cycle on it. Make sure you drain it 100%. It's, that's kind of nonsense. Um, it's not know, required. How yeah. do you know, like, you know, we're saying, oh, well, if it's 50%, leave it. How do we know what, <laughs> how far down it's drained? Like, is there a way I can drop a voltmeter on it and say, like, this battery's at... 10% or it's better than yeah. 50%. Yeah. So with, with lead acid, yes. Some of these NMCs, you can iron phosphate's difficult because it could show the same voltage at a, at a 30% charge as it does uh, at a, at an 80% charge. Right. So, you know, that's, I always say rough estimation it's, when you're storing. It doesn't have that yeah. voltage drop. That's why. Right. You know, better, right. Even right. at 30%, it's still the same voltage. Yeah. Um, if you're in the 10, 11 volt range, throw it on a charger, your battery's dead. 
Okay. You know, if you're sitting in that 12 and a half plus volt voltage range, you know, or 13 volts, this battery's got at least 20% left in it. Um, you know, uh, just wait or, you know, throw it on chart or wait until the next time you go out, if it's going to be a little while, um, yeah, before yeah. you put it on there, you um, kind of use that estimation. There are meters. We sell a meter. Victron sells a meter. Um, there are a lot of meters you can actually buy to put, you know, to connect to your battery, to actually gauge true capacity, um, with them. But, um, uh, it's not, you know, as long as you're within that 30 to 80% range in storage for a long period of time or whatever, you're, you're in good shape. Okay. As long as it's not dead, right? right? Yeah. You mentioned AMG. Is that just another term for lead acid? Yeah, it's uh, it's just more advanced, uh, you know, glass. It's not a wet cell, you know, spillable wet cell. It's just more advanced or more expensive version of a lead acid battery. They just have a, um, they're typically, uh, they have a, a, you can discharge them to a lower uh, or use up to 80% efficiency, you use up to 80% of that battery's capacity versus about 50%. So, um, yeah. yeah. The yeah. boat guys, you know, with the trolling motors, yeah. they like to run the AMG batteries because it, unlike the regular batteries that draw down to 50%, gotcha. they're running they their trolling motor, 80. they can draw it to 80. And like he was saying, most right. guys run until it's dead. Sure. Yeah. So they're, well, they're yeah, actually you're out there trying to get it all right. out, <laughs> you know, and they're shortening the life of that battery. And that's gotcha. why like a lot of guys will put, um, uh, alternator chargers on their motor, which while the motor's running, it will charge their trolling motor system, yeah. which is pretty yeah. interesting. The more you talk about it, the more it just sounds like a body. Like, you know, we're made up of cells, right? And depending on how we treat our body, like our cells are going to break down. And maybe as you get older, you're not going to get as much out of your body anymore. Like, I don't know. That's what I keep thinking Absolutely. about. That's a good. Thing. Yeah. And it is. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. You know, they're with with the individual, you know, cells that are inside of the batteries here, they, you know, these are just made up a series of cells and that's how pretty much every battery is made. Um, so how you maintain it um, yeah. is, is kind of detrimental to how, how long that, that battery is going to last you. Um, like I said, five to 10 years for most people, as long as you're not abusing the technology in our application, you know, like somebody thinks they're going to get 2000 charge cycles on this running on their, on their kayak or trolling motor. I mean, unless you're using this thing every single day, that's not going to, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, most people, you know, in a lifetime might only, you know, like for me, it might only be 500 cycles, you know, in 10 years that I'm using it. Cause that's, if I'm lucky, that's how many times I'll get out in 10 years. Right. Um, but, um, you know, those people you know, a lot less wear and tear, but it's good to keep a battery active no matter what type it is. Um, you know, storing for long periods of time, not necessarily the best. Um, I, know, think, uh, you... I think I read on your website that it's, it's very good to just make, put a charge on it every six months just to make sure that it has a. Yeah. Six months minimum. Um, I'd say every 90 days. So if you're unfortunate and cannot use it year round, that's what we recommend doing. And ice fishing, it's very common, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're, you're called maybe 10 months without having to use it. You know, it's good to throw a charge on it every couple of months. Um, you know, if you're storing it at 50%, throw it on there every three months for an, an hour or whatever it happens to be just to keep everything active. Oh, um, same with you, right? If you're not, if you're just sitting in a chair for for six months, uh, you're going to yeah. be far less fit the next time you get up, unless you yeah, know, you keep active. Well, the same thing goes with batteries. You got to keep them active. Yeah. Makes it makes a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as lithium ion, um, 
Is that, that's, that's different than lithium iron. So that's another one I see a lot out there is lithium ion. Is there anything to watch out for? Why don't you sell that type of? Okay. So lithium, so all of these are lithium ions technically, right? So lithium ions. So they're lithium content in them, um, but there's different chemistries. So this is lithium iron phosphate. This is nickel, lithium ion, nickel, manganese, cobalt. Um, and then there's others. There's lithium polymer, which is the one that's real dangerous that, you know, cell phones, RC cars and all that. Like yeah. some of these RC car guys have to put their batteries like in a, a, a cool. non-flammable box or whatever. Um, yeah. Those are the ones that are dangerous. Lithium. So the, the nickel means um, cobalt with the battery management system and a, and a lithium iron phosphate with a battery management system are some of the safest batteries out there. Safer than your lead acid, right? because they have short circuit protection, they have overload protection and all that that your other batteries do not have. So people think safety wise, you know, some of these may not be as safe as others. Well, our batteries all have a built-in battery management system. They're incredibly safe. And realistically, the only way you're going to start one of these on fire is to throw it in a fire, right? (laughs) Um, I know, uh, you know, one of the misconceptions with lithium and like you said, it's all different. There's different kinds of lithiums. And, and that's really part of the reason we wanted this show. But yeah. I know a lot of people think with a lithium battery, when you put it near water, you get it in water, it explodes. Um, right. So Yeah, the way lithium reacts, reacts with water. Yeah. yeah. So I've even taken lithium iron phosphate cells and I've soaked them. I've actually had them dumped in water for, um, oh, I can't remember what it was. It was like two months, pull it out. Like the thing's all rusted, right? right. Um, and that's a cell that inside of one of these battery packs. Yeah. Now, um, when you look at a lot of these out there, they're IP 65 to 67 rated. So they're, you know, incredibly waterproof, watertight. You don't have to worry about that. Um, iron phosphate. Yeah, I've never, uh, they're really, it, you can watch videos out there. People have punctured them. So there are some where you, you puncture like lithium, uh, um, uh, lithium polymer battery, right? And you could get like, it, it emits flames. You puncture these, like literally just stab one of these cells and it could just emit a smoke, right? So, so they're very safe. Um, and lithium iron phosphate are one of the safest out there, um, including water. And these are water, you know, they're watertight. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's nothing that, uh, nothing that's much of a concern or should never be a concern. And we've never had a problem with one of the products. Well, I know in this area, um, one of the things that some of the boat guys think is is because there have been boats that have uh, caught on fire and melted down due to lithium batteries. And um, I think a lot of it is really just not the right, not the right setup. Or like you said, uh, like we were talking about previously, is some of these companies don't feel that that electrical system is the right fit. Yeah. So it's, so when it comes to building the proper battery for a Marine application, um, you just can't go out there and buy any lithium battery and throw it in. So there's a lot of cheap alternatives on Amazon and for sure, Amazon, eBay, Alibaba, people just want to buy, you know, think that you buy it when you're buying a lithium battery, oh, they're all coming from the same factory and there's not any, there's no truth to that whatsoever. There are not just two factories overseas that build lithium cells or build lithium batteries. There are a ton and they come in varieties of cell chemistries, varieties of um, 
of different qualities. Uh, and uh, we, we always say, you know, the three most important things in building a battery, which a lot of people, a lot of companies get two of them right. You know, a quality cell, a quality battery management system built of quality components. Um, but the third thing that's, that, that we feel is, is one of the most important pieces is the quality of the build, right? How you build that battery pack in here, not only for safety purposes, but also for longevity, for the application they're gonna be used for. We like to look at it as it's an art, right? Um, don't just throw all the components inside of a battery. And I see this all the time where they're throwing in there, or not really throwing in there, kind of mounted and there's wiring all over the place and they're really messy. We like to look at it as an art, make it look very clean um, because that battery is just gonna last um, much longer, especially in an environment where it receives a lot of vibration and, and, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, you know, receives water that. and all that, but it's, it's, uh, that's important when building. So just buying, and that's when you, where you see those fires, people are using the wrong lithium chemistry, right? They're using the wrong voltage. They're using the wrong, or they just don't understand the technology and trying to put together their own system where we try to make it nice and simple, where if you put, you have a 36 volt system, you buy three of these batteries, wire them in series, or buy one of our big 36 volt batteries. Um, you know, we, we make it nice and simple for the consumer. And that's what most of your, your, uh, your marine lithium companies will do. Um, it's typically the people that are buying direct from China, the Amazon, the eBay, not understanding it, that are wiring it. Those are the people that can run into problems or they don't have a built-in battery management system. Those are the, the people that can, overcharge a battery to cause it to go to start on fire or whatever that's not right. going to happen on something like this so yeah. just so just so all the listeners understand basically what a battery management system is i mean aside from controlling the cells and everything like that it's basically an on and off switch so if something happens on the circuitry that battery management system says nope flips the switch and you're not discharging power anymore um, so yep. it, it eliminates any kind of danger any kind of damage or anything like that yes so it, most common phone calls that we get where people are think that they have an issue with their product, it's because the battery management system kicked in and they just need to reset it, right? And it could be frustrating, like somebody could be going full speed and they hit like a tree stump and like their motor is like jammed up, right? And it's trying to draw too much power. It kicks, this will kick in, but you don't have that with lead acid or, you know, your lead acid product. And, you know, people have had smoke come out of their lead acids because, you know, or they melt their wires because they're just drawing that much and they don't have a fuse connected. So to say this has that built in or somebody accidentally, you know, drops uh, something metal, a metal plate or something on the terminal pulse. This will actually, yeah, it'll spark for a second, but the battery management system kicks in, you know, saying that, yeah, it's, uh, it's overloaded um, or there's a short, so it, it shuts it down. Uh, and that's what you don't have with, with a lot of the other technology, but yeah, that's very important. And that's what that BMS does. It, it, it makes sure these cell that the cells in here are, are, are built to last. They, that they stay balanced because you want to have each cell to be the same voltage, um, over protection, uh, or over voltage protection, under voltage protection, and so on and so forth. Even, even, um, uh, heat protection. Uh, it'll have a feature where if this battery gets up to I think 172 degrees, it'll shut it down, right? Because that that's too hot and it could cause wear in the batteries. You don't typically have that with others. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Now, how do you reset the the battery management system? Most of the time, a standard connective charger to it would do it. Um, but when you're out and about, it's it's you can actually a lot of times disconnect depending on what caused it to 
to trigger, right? A lot of times disconnecting the load, reconnecting the load may, may reset the BMS. Um, but most of the time, what you have to do is just connect another, you can connect another battery in parallel. So I've had people that have three batteries wired in series, one of the batteries trip, uh, they need to reset it. They, you know, they grab a set of jumper cables and, you know, connect to like their starting motor or whatever, and, and it resets the battery. Um, so that's, that's one, that's the most common way to do it. If you don't have a charger regularly, readily available just to connect to the battery. Right. And it's not, you know, your battery management system, I'm assuming doesn't, it's not like it trips out, uh, common commonly, you know, no. it's really when you get in that, that situation you know, where, you know, it's danger or the battery management system kicking in, you know, that's, that's really, uh. Basically, you know, it's it there to in. protect us when we go do something silly or right. it's in a situation <laughs> it shouldn't be in. Right. Yeah, it protects you. It protects the product. Yeah. Right. And that's that's the important. Yeah. The important. And your vessel. You know, it protects your vessel from right. yep. you know, overheating seen... wires. I mean, I, I have a, a pretty substantial electrical and electronics background. So I've seen, you know, over amperage draw and wires just melt together and then they short everything out and then they fry your components, you know, and and. You you go find somebody that's going to wire up your boat or wire up your car and uh, ask them how much it's going to cost. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've I've also seen um, what do you call it uh, runaway thermal runaway oh, yeah. like when the cells basically combust and they ca catch each cell in like sequence on fire and it's basically yeah. you can't put it out even with water and um, stuff like that. It's just a, a bad situation. Obviously, it'd be even worse on a boat or in a kayak where you don't have. You could throw it overboard, I suppose, but um, right. anyways, it doesn't sound like that's a, a threat or a risk with these batteries. No, they are, they're about as hundred percent safe as you can possibly get as long as you're not physically opening them up and, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, and doing that. Um, you know, the, you kind of talk about that, like um, wires melting and, and stuff. So it's very important, you know, when, when setting up your system. Now, what, what kind of kayaks do you guys do you guys have, or is that something you don't share? <laughs> um, I am I'm actually in a, a old town big water puddle drive 132. Okay. And yeah, I'm in a vibe sheer water. I, I mean, okay. I guess yeah. um, that is something that I wanted to get into as far as like wiring and fuses yeah. and like stuff like that. Yeah, and I bring it up because motorized kayaking is becoming more and more popular. And now you're, you know, it was one one of the first ones with the motor. I think was uh, um, the uh, the feel free uh, the Johnny boats, right? And they had one, and now you're starting to see like some of these jet ones, you know, hit the market. Right. And now you're, and then, and then of course, Old Town. I have I have an autopilot 120, right? So they're pre wired with the motor in them. Right. Um, and one thing we're finding out is now that people are wiring these, it's important to do it correctly. So like, like you were saying, yeah, you got to do it correctly. You know, find out what gauge wire is needed, right? Whether right. it's for your wire run based on how much power you're drawing, you know, typically like it's going to be eight gauge or even down to six gauge, right? You don't want to run thin wire. Right. Um, and then you know, the but other piece is, is, is your connections. Down. One yep. second, like what's gauge wire? So what is that? With, with wiring, the higher the number, the smaller the wire. So, you know, your 24 gauge wire is, is going to be very, very small. It's, it's not going to handle a lot of voltage and a lot of current. Um, one thing we used to do in electronics class is you test components and test wiring. So you hook it up to your power source and you turn it on and rise it stinks up the whole room. Um, and when you get into like house wiring, most of your houses are 12, 10 gauge, um, depending on the circuitry, maybe eight gauge. 
so it's it's a lot thicker um wire yeah. sorry to interrupt yeah i was just oh, trying that's fine. To explain that that's perfect yeah that's perfect the important, thing, the important yeah. thing to remember is you know higher number on the wiring smaller diameter so yeah. So basically yeah. the lower it is, the more current you could run through without having like a meltdown or something right. catching, getting too right. hot. I, guess. I, right. I haven't done any of the math on the circuitry or anything, but I would say probably what minimum 16 gauge. Well, it, it depends on what you're running. So if you're running electronics, it depends on how far you're running. So at 12 volts, there's a lot of charts out there and, and a lot of the, your manufacturers uh, can assist you or have this information available. So like if you're running a Garmin live scope that's drawing four amps of power and you're running at 16 feet, they're going to recommend a 10 gauge wire, right? You may think that's say like I was trying to find wire in front of me, but yeah, you may think it's thick, but it's necessary. Otherwise you have voltage, you know, voltage loss um, when running that distance. So running the thicker wire, you have less voltage loss, less, uh, um, less resistance, less resistance, right? Resistance, heat, and, yeah, and so on and so forth. So uh, it's, you, you got to make sure you're pairing the right, the right type of cabling up. And I've seen people who have, you know, like literally twisted, uh, you know, a 10 gauge to their six gauge and they, you know, put tape around it and, and then they connect it to the battery and the terminals are loose and they're not using the, the lock washer and washer that come with it. You create so much resistance to where they actually, the wire melts and almost indents into the battery plastic case itself. And it's very, believe it or not, it's more common um, now that I've seen kayak, you know, 12 volt kayakers doing this. And um, we've seen a lot of old town autopilots, right? And it's not a defect in the wiring they're using. A lot of times it's because they're not tightening their, their terminals or checking that often. And you see that in boats all the time too, where people are getting efficiencies, inefficiency because they don't check their terminals. They're not using dielectric grease, which is another right. thing, you know, use dielectric grease. It prevents uh, water buildup on your metal components and connectors. So use dielectric grease and all your, your stuff, especially when you're out in salt water, right? Right. Um, and and, and uh, I think... Uh, you know, the majority of people just, they don't understand the, right. the way that electronics and electricity works. So when you have a terminal on your battery and you connect your wire in um, with like a ring connector or something like that, you tighten it down. And now that, that terminal is totally flush. It's tight. It's going to make a great connection. So if you do it loose, what's happening is that that wire is trying to pull that current from the battery, but the connection sucks. Right. So it's creating that massive amount of heat right there because the, the, the voltage that it's trying to pull can't pull correctly. Um, and that's why, that's why, you know, wires and batteries and stuff like that will melt down if they're not tight. Um, so, you know, it's just something that I wanted to share with the listeners to kind of give them a, a visualization of like why, you know, check your connectors, tighten them down, make sure that there's no rust or corrosion between your ring connectors and stuff. Yeah. Because any interference like that, you want to look at it like this. You take a battery, put it together, and then you take a battery, put a piece of rubber between the connectors, and you put it together. So yeah. that, that rubber in there, it's going to create a massive amount of resistance that the voltage could go through, could not, but it's going to create that heat. Yep, so. yep absolutely. And you're dead on, um, spot on. Check your connections often. Right. Even before you strip, just make sure they're tight. And then also make sure that they're free of corrosion. Like you said, I mean, using baking soda and water to take corrosion off of something is very easy. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a good formula for cleaning everything up. But 
you know, when first installing electronics, use that dielectric grease over your connections because it just like repels, it repels water from it. It's essentially just in a, what, a petroleum jelly, like a, 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 a Vaseline, if you have it. Right. Know, and, you know, the dielectric grease uh, does have, uh, um, oh, it's a weird one. It's a conductor, conductor. you know, so, so the dielectric grease has uh, conductive uh, principles, which is going to make your, your connection work more efficiently and decrease the resistance. Yeah, it, use it um, sparingly because some of them are not are not conductive. So just make sure you're not globbing it on there because that could actually be worse. It's just only needed, you know, sparingly on the outside of a connection just to keep it, uh, you know, or on your connectors just to just to just to keep them from from uh, from corroding. Interesting. I yeah. I thought uh, I liked uh, was uh, yeah. The, well, there, side maybe. Yeah, yeah. There might be different, and there are different types out there. So, so yeah, definitely check that. Yeah, definitely worth looking into. But yeah, you just use I I just use it sparingly, but I've never had to worry about any type of corrosion whatsoever in any of my products. What so what so. could save my bacon when I'm out on the water? I guess so. I I screwed up. I used the wrong wiring. Like, would a fuse uh, in the in the circuit somewhere prevent anything further from happening? Or with your BMS, your BMS is going to take the battery out of the equation um it, it yeah so if you have like a short in your connection you know it would it's always good to have uh to have added protection i always recommend having a fuse in line with your electronics have a fuse in line to your trolling motor you're protecting your electronics right the bms will protect the battery right um the, the fuse will protect typically the the components um, and, and what I would say is, yeah, just make sure your, your connections are tight. Just look at your wiring. Mm -hmm. Um, there's diagrams out there, you know, uh, that, that, you know, you could just Google what gauge wire do I need for 12 volt? And literally it'll pull up if you're, if you're drawing up to 50 amps of power, um, and you're going six feet, use eight gauge or six gauge. I don't know exactly what it is. Right. But it'll tell you what gauge of wire to use, use a good Marine grade, right. Uh, if, if your kayak doesn't already have one, use a good like uh, tinned, um, tin copper marine grade, you know, anchor. There's so many different companies out there that make them. You can find them on Amazon, marine grade white. Uh, don't just go to Home Depot and buy, you know, standard 120 volt eight gauge. What, right? Use the proper yeah. wire for the application. Use the proper um, heat shrink, ring, ring heat connector, shrink. heat shrink. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't realize there's there's a couple different kinds of heat shrink. There's just the standard electrical heat shrink, and then there's marine heat shrink, which actually has a, a sealant inside. Mm -hmm. So when you heat that down, it heats up the glue and it seals to the wire and it creates a watertight connection. Yep. Um, so yep. that's that's also important in there. Yep. Now, so you a lot have of this inline fuse that you recommend. I, I use a so I typically use a breaker. No, I know like an autopilot, they have their own breaker built into the box, right? Um, typically, uh, like in a trolling motor on a kayak, people look at it and say, well, it could draw up to 50 amps of, of power. So I'm just, so, you know, or 52 amps. So I'm going to put a 50 amp breaker on it. Now, to be honest with you, you know, uh, at full speed, like on my autopilot, I don't think I've ever drawn more than 35 amps of power. It's because, you know, that motor, yes, it could draw 50, but that's under the worst conditions. If you're going into the wind against strong current, uh, with a heavy load and you're pulling somebody and doing, you know, Right, all this stuff. So, I always recommend you know gauge it down a little bit. Usually, like a forty amp uh, breaker is going to be sufficient. Um, so you can find a lot of those out there. Anything you know, 
Uh, I don't do a ton in, in marine wiring, so you might want to call maybe your local marine dealer uh, and see if they have a recommendation or sell products for it. Um, or even you know, that, that's your, yeah, call the manufacturer, the motor, uh, uh, you know, they'll, they'll definitely give you or that information should be supplied, you know, on their website where you can find that information if it's not in your manual. Yeah. All right. We will be back after the short break. Brought to you by Keel Armor, protecting your kayak investment from the harshest marine environments you can encounter. Check us out at Keel Armor at Facebook. All right, guys, we are back. We have uh, Matthew Lardenoise from Amped Outdoors with us. Uh, he's given us a deep dive education on everything batteries for uh, kayaks, marine applications. So... Yeah. Um, one of the questions that popped up, I guess, earlier in my head was, is there anything like certification wise, like you're selling these at large, right? Like, yeah, you, you go through some kind of certification of the battery or is there some certification that people should look for when they're buying a battery? Yeah. So most common. Um, so a lot of times you're going to see like, uh, you don't see a whole lot like of, of, of UL, um, just because they change so often to get a battery UL rated, you can, there's a lot of them are CE rated, uh, all the cells that are all the components to make up a battery are always going to be UL listed. Um, at least in our components okay. are UL listed. Um, but, uh, UN 38.3, uh, which is more so, uh, certification papers, uh, all just about all batteries in the United States. It's a requirement that, that all of us hold that. I think it's in, in January. Um, so all of our batteries have that UN 38.3 and all batteries out there should be, um, I can't say they all are right. So, uh, that it, it puts them through a lot of tests, altitude tests, puts them through vibration testing and, and all this just to ensure uh, proper safety. Gotcha. So that's something that's, that's, uh, it's, it's kind of a requirement, especially for shipping larger batteries, uh, require, well, all of these are considered a dangerous goods. So they all have to have like a UN 30, you know, um, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, some type of UN, um, label on them for transport. Um, and it's, it's different if it's a battery containing product or battery alone, all of ours are, you know, UN 3480, uh, shipping class nine hazmat. So, um, yeah, there are different certification papers and, and DOT requirements and all that, that we all have to have, especially on the larger batteries. So, uh, if anybody tell, you know, most people aren't going to ship batteries by air, uh, but we get that question a lot is, oh, I need this battery by tomorrow. Can I do it? We ship everything ground. It's all, it all ha it's all regulated. We have to uh, ship that way. But uh, the most important thing is, um, so all of our batteries do have like ROHS, CE. Um, they're all now uh, 38, UN 38.3 um, um, certified. So uh, most companies should have that. I would say a lot of your direct from Alibaba, you know, right. the, um, well, the, the eBay, Amazons, a yeah. lot of those are probably not. I'll yeah. tell you what, I almost, I almost bought one because you look at the price point and you're like, oh, I could buy 30 of these batteries for like one of them, but you might yeah. be giving up some, a lot of safety in some cases, or you might not know exactly what's in them. I mean, it seems kind of sketchy. Well, for me, <laughs> yeah. That, was, yeah. that was the big thing, you know, because I, I, I'm connected with a lot of these boat guys and charter captains and, you know, the, uh, the local boat dealers in the area. And, you know, one of the concerns that kept popping up was the, 
you know, the safety aspect. And, you know, every, there's always a report of one boat going down during a tournament. Um, and really, it's, it's a misinformation thing, um, I believe, for the most part, and, and an installation thing. So, um, yeah. I, uh, you know, we, we wanted to kind of touch on this and, and really get people to understand, like, you get what you pay for. There is a difference. There's a lot of value to have a company like Amped Outdoors behind you saying, hey, our battery is 100% safe. You know, you're going to get what you pay for. We're, we have your back, yeah. you know, versus some battery company on Amazon, when it burns down your boat or it burns your car up, you're like, wait, where's this company? Well, they're gone. Yeah, they're gone. They're because, over in, uh, you know, some there's other country. They don't have any accountability. So um, right. really, you know, I, I definitely want that. want to make that a point to my listeners is um, when you look, when you, you're going to invest in a piece of equipment or a piece of gear. You want to look at the pro- the product, the quality of the product, um, and and the company. You know because you can have a great company or a great product and crappy customer service. You know, and at the end of the day, if you don't have both parts, you know you're yeah. you may be around, but you're not gonna you're not gonna be successful and grow the way that Amped Outdoors is. You know, and really, it's because uh, in my opinion, you're you're innovative. You try new things. You think out of the box. You know, you're like me. We're not like, hey, oh, it's never been done before. It's impossible. We're like, hey, it's never been done before. Let me see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and there's there's a massive amount of value in that. Um, and that's why you really want to, you know, like I'm not I'm not trying to tell you to go out and buy the most expensive thing. But at the end of the day, look at the company you're buying from. Look at their reputation. Look at the products they're putting out. And remember, like these companies, they they understand the dangers and they're making sure that they're taking care of that side of it for you. So um, just yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. There's a lot of good lithium companies out there and there's a pretty big, you know, wide range of product. We're not the most expensive product out there. And a lot of times, you know, people think of that as, well, well you know, we're $200 less than brand X that we're lower quality product. In fact, our product, um, you know, I, I would say costs more to make than that product X that's $200 more. Right. Um, and a lot of that is just our marketing. Um, we, we don't, we don't pay for crazy amount. Uh, we don't have like a thousand anglers out there representing our product that we're paying to have our, you know, our names on their boat. I've like a handful. Um, we don't have, uh, we don't pay the money for Facebook and all that. Our marketing is word of mouth and I'm direct to consumer. I don't have to go through a distribution chain where everybody's getting a cut, right? So I'm a direct to consumer company. So I have a lower price product that may cost more than the competition. So that's where it can kind of get a little confusing to some people thinking that, oh, because they have X, Y, Z, it's more expensive, it's better and vice versa. I'm not the cheapest one out there. There are some that are, you know, $200 less than me, but a lot of those you really have to be careful of because they'll say we have a five-year warranty and we do this and that, but they're based out of a different country and you don't have a customer support like you're saying. And that's, that goes a long way. We, we try to base our, our company off of, off of support uh, because there's a lot of questions, right, on this product. And, and we try to educate. Uh, we try to give the support and back the product up, um, you know, with a, with, a quality, with a quality piece of equipment. And, and that's, where, that's why we've strived because of our customers doing the advertising for us. Um, right. Yeah, which is which is fantastic. And you have stuff for like different price points and different needs, right? I mean, um, as far as needs go, how do I know how long these things are going to run? Or let's say I have a, tro- a trolling motor and I want to, 
I tell you, Hey, I want something that's going to last all day. Like, what do you usually, how do you respond to people when they ask you that? Yeah, it's tough to say like all day, you know, all day for one person might be four hours all day for another person is 12. Right. So it, I try to ask the questions like in a kayak, it's typically pretty easy to give you an estimate of how long a trolling motor battery is going to last. Right. They're, they're pretty constant, but all day at full speed is different than all day at, at speed number three. Right. So, because uh, the speed number three might draw five amps of power and full speed will draw 35 amps of power. So, you know, you take uh, like uh, um, the average angler who's out in the kayak, our 60 amp hour battery is very popular. Um, it's small, lightweight. And I tell people in distance, right? So whether you're in full speed, it might be a little bit less than lower speeds, but up to eight miles in a 60 amp hour battery. And in that's an 80 amp What's that? That's a full power. Uh, full power could be a little bit less. You lose efficiencies as you go up in speed because you usually don't gain a whole lot of of uh, of speed, but you draw right. a lot more power, right? And resistance is different too, as far as if you're fishing in wind, if you're fishing in strong current versus you know you're fishing on on, on a glass lake, you're going to draw more power doing that, a heavier load. Uh, some kayaks and boats have have. Uh, um, you know, they just, oh, what's the term for it? The way they glide across the water, um, you know, they have less resistance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it all, it's all dependent on, on those scenarios, but on average, you know, a person get up to eight miles on a 60 amp hour battery. And I've had people that get a lot more, right. An 80 amp hour battery, about 12 miles. And then the extreme user, you know, we have a hundred amp hour battery, which is like 15, you know, plus miles. And I guess I've re- I've reported people getting closer to 20 miles and, and there's some YouTube videos out there on that, but every boat's different. Every person's different. Right, right. And, and the way you use it is going to make a big difference. And what was the weight on that hundred amp hour battery? hundred amp hour battery is 25 pounds. 25 you know? pounds. Yeah. 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 Our 80 is a few pounds lighter. And then our, um, our 60 amp hour battery um, is incredibly light. It's uh, about 14 pounds. Wow. You know, that's, that's very important, especially when you're looking at different kinds of kayaks, because these have weight restrictions. So you put a hundred pound battery on the back oh of it, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to name our friend that I've seen <laughs> out there, but his, he, his like lettering's underwater. And I'm just like, what are you rocking over there? And he's got, he, I think he had like an 80 or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he has since fixed it, but the first day out on the water, I'm like, man, you got to do something with your weight distribution on that <laughs> kayak because he's got the trolling motor in the back and he has just a, at that point it was a lead acid battery um, in the back of it, you know? So his, his bow is sticking way out of the, way out of the air. And uh, you know, it's, you're losing efficiency plus you're losing stability among other things. Um, so I think it's, that's, that's interesting. Like the, the weight savings. Um, I mean, for example, like the the 12 amp hour battery I just got from you to, uh, to run my fish finders. Uh, I actually, I'm, I'm coming from a Nakwa battery. It's a 10 amp hour Nakwa I've had for about four years. Great product, great battery. Um, did what I needed, but you know, I'm, I'm needing a little bit more power, um, and a little bit more versatility. So, you know, it's time to upgrade. And that's why I went with the 12 amp hour, but the weight, the weight difference is just phenomenal. The 12 amp hour or from your company. Oh yeah. I mean, just lithium to, you know, to the lead acids. The lead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big difference. No weight distribution. And that's, 
that's key. How many people have tipped a kayak or whatever. And a lot of times it's weight distribution or you lose, lose your rods because of that. It's, right. it's anyway, important. Yeah. We're, we're Lake Erie kayak anglers, you know? So, I mean, right now we're uh, what, 15 minutes from the lake. So that's where we're fishing, you know, and I seen his kayak and I'm like, man, we get out there in three footers. Well, yeah. And you know, you're, they get super, they, I mean, you got to respect mother nature. You got to respect weather when it gets rough. Some people have higher tolerances than other, Mm -hmm. but I truly think it's because certain kayaks are just overloaded and they're a lot more tippy. Um, And so if, yeah, it's just going to be more dangerous or more tipping potential, I guess, the heavier or closer you are to max. Right. You know, so aside from the, uh, all the other benefits of lithium, you know, the, the weight aspect is definitely a a big one. Yeah, definitely. You talk about that in a kayak, but even in a boat too, um, if you, when you're taking some of these three, four battery systems, you're saving almost a co-angler, right? right. Uh, where you're saving 150, <laughs> 200 pounds. And, and it means a difference of, uh, it may not necessarily be safety, but you can get additional one to two miles an hour out of your boat, or it gets up on plane a lot faster, or your, your yeah. whole shot's better just because you're dropping all that weight from the boat. So I've had people just buy lithium solely because of weight you know, even though there's so many other advantages, they just want to drop weight. Well, you know, um, you want to, you want to look at uh, what do they do in the drag racing industry? They drop as much weight as they can, no matter how small, yeah. you know? So yeah. same thing with a kayak or with a boat. I mean, to get yeah. the efficiency, um, you know, and the savings that you want, you drop that weight if and you, yeah. uh, your, your efficiency uh, massively increases. If you have a boat versus a kayak, are you still giving them the same mile rating or are you kind of taking yeah. it? No, I mean, well, it's, that's so difficult because yeah. there's so much, there's so much heavier, you know, aluminum right. the glass to how the angler is fishing spot lock can be deceiving. Okay. And I mean, your motor could be running at speed seven. If you're in, you know, strong wind current, uh, right. you know, a spot lock, it's so deceiving. Um, so it, it's like, a lot of times I try to find out what they've been using in, right. in the past. So if they have a group size 31 AGM and we, we have this on our website, like what the equivalents are. So like if you have a group size 31 AGM, it's equivalent to our 80 amp hour battery and capacity, you know, our 80 amp hours, maybe 10% better. But um, I try to estimate what they have already sure. and compare that then to um, what they need and what they can get with lithium. So, um, for the guys that are going to be using these, uh, in their boats for the trolling motors, um, I had mentioned the alternator charger, which a lot of these guys use for their lead acid batteries. Sure. Uh, that way, you know, if they're trolling for four or five hours, their batteries start to get a little low, they go and turn around, they run back to the start of the troll and, uh, and they charge their batteries back up. You so you can do that with a kayak trolling motor. They no, oh, yeah, with, you a, a boat, with a boat. With a yeah. Motor. Yeah. Um, so my question is the the standard alternator charger that comes on these these boat motors um or it's it's an option it doesn't come you know stock from the factories but can you use that on the lithium battery system to uh to replenish your batteries or is that not currently uh, an option so it's a very good question so what i what i will sell somebody in a boat trolling motor batteries and electronic batteries, but not a starting battery. Right. But to your, to your point, they, there are systems out there. Power pole has where 
it can, you know, power pole chargers can transfer power from your starting battery to your trolling motor batteries. And it can transfer power from your trolling motor batteries back to your starting battery. Um, and then there are other devices out there that once your, your, uh, your, your voltage of your starting battery hits a certain point, like at 13.3 or whatever, it kicks in and it'll actually transfer power to your trolling motor or to your trolling motor battery. So there, there are components like that. And you're probably going to see more of that available, um, as the years go on. Right. And, um, Yes, it can be done, but why we don't sell a starting battery, and there are lithium companies that do, but if you look at your major boat manufacturer recommendations, um, they do not recommend them because built-in battery management systems on these, like Mercury, for example, um, may void your warranty if you use a lithium battery with them, right? And because they're seeing things like, um, you know, the, the charging systems are slightly different. So people are overheating them, uh, causing them to go bad on, on, on these motors. Um, but more so important, like in lithium, lithium's great for deep cycle, but like in, in cold weather, they're not great for cranking. So in Northern climates, you can have issues where if you're out in the water and you're running your electronics and you go to start your motor, you don't have that cranking power like you would with an AGM and you're stuck on the water, or you could be motoring and the BMS kicks in on these and shuts your motor down to idle. Like that could be unsafe, right? So a lot of times these boat manufacturers are saying, no, only use AGM. Lithium, you do not want to charge them below freezing. Now there are some, you know, at real low charge rates, yes, you could technically charge a lithium battery below freezing. But in northern climates like this, we want to use our boat on the river systems when it's 20 degrees. You don't want that motor pushing 30 amps of power to a lithium battery. That will cause damage or, you know, or, or cause a lot of wear and tear on them. So a lot of lithium batteries have where you cannot charge them below freezing. So then you don't have charging from your alternator below freezing right. temperatures. There's so many factors like that. They're not good in cold weather. Um, uh, they can't charge them below freezing. They could be safety, you know, there could be safety issues if the BMS kicks in on them. I always recommend use your AGM starting battery. If you need additional accessory power, buy a lithium battery for your accessory power, buy lithium for trolling motors. They work great even in cold temperatures. Um, just don't get into a situation where you, you need to charge your battery in a below freezing type environment. I have right. to admit, I'm guilty. I We fished through the winter here up in Cleveland, and we went out in January sometime, and I had out in the garage. We were going out, I think, the next day, and for whatever reason, it's it's unheated. And for whatever reason, I'm, like, I'm just going to charge it out here and not bring it in because my wife doesn't really like the so fish finder the laying around up in the office and stuff. So I yeah. plugged it in and I went out and it was, it wasn't, it was dead. It like never got to the green light on the charger, you know? And I was sure. like, what the heck is going on? But it was definitely below freezing that day. Probably. So that's, that's not an amped outdoor battery, but no, it just, yeah, well, some of them will not charge below freezing. Um, and, uh, some of them, some of them will, but you don't want it. They'll charge slow. So if you're like at like 30 degrees, there's uh, internal resistance when charging the battery that'll actually self kind of heat the battery and it'll take a charge. But if you're trying to charge a battery, a lithium battery too fast below freezing temperatures, it, it creates a, a lithium, um, uh, uh, like a build, kind of like the buildup you'd have on an AGM battery. 
right. which, you know, crystallization, so to say, that will actually could damage the battery or if done a lot, could decrease the, the, the capacity or the life of it. So you may, like in our batteries, yes, at 30 degrees, can you charge them? Yes. If you do that a lot, it could decrease the overall life expectancy of them. I don't have a built-in feature that will not charge them at those temperatures because we have so many people in the northern climates that want to. And, yeah. and I think that's the important thing to point out is the big misconception. People, people think, oh, well, you can't charge lithium batteries at 30 degrees or lower, so they must not work in cold weather. Well, your company comes from ice fishing. <laughs> yeah. So sure. obviously uh, they work great in cold water or cold weather. Yeah, um, probably in, in cold water. Cycle. Yeah, in deep cycle, more so than in a cranking high current application. I right. apologize if it gets loud. We just got a shipment come in, which I know a lot of, hopefully, a lot of you that are, you know, people watching are probably waiting yeah. for. So probably excited because <laughs> your battery yeah. is sitting there behind the scenes. We got batteries right outside the door. Yeah. <laughs> so can we talk about charging for a second? I heard or I read something that said that it's best to charge at 10% of the capacity of the battery. So like, I guess if you had a hundred hour amp hour battery to be best, you'd want to have a 10 amp charger. Does that sound crazy? For lithium or batteries overall? Um, I guess or, I would say lithium because I think that's- yeah, okay. Or running. both. Lithium are capable of charging at a faster rate without okay. damaging effects, right? So uh, I recommend usually 0.3 C or less. So with a, with a 100 amp hour battery at point three C charge rate um, would be like a 30 amp charge. That's the maximum I would recommend. You can go up to 100 amp, right? I, I can charge it with a 100 amp. I list on it 50 as the max because I don't want people charging it faster than that. That will cause wear, but the lower charge rates will give you a better depth of charge and will also extend the life cycles of that actual battery. So like I, on a hundred amp hour battery, a 10 amp charger is fine. Okay. Right? And a 30 amp hour battery, technically a 10 amp charger is fine. In extreme cold weather or, you know, below freezing, that's where you, where you have to limit it to a very low charging rate, hmm. but in a boat, right. Or in a kayak, typically a 10 amp charge for a 60, 80, 100 amp hour batteries. Perfect. Smaller batteries, you know, two to five amp type chargers um, will be just fine. Your lead acid chargers are, are typically, 0.1 or less. So like uh, a 10 amp hour battery will typically come with a one amp charger or a 0.7 amp charger. Okay. Um, lithium, you could do the same thing in a three to four amp charger. So yes, you could charge lithium faster without damaging effects to them. Um, like you said, 10% of its overall rate of capacity. Yeah, uh, that, that's fine. Uh, can be up to almost 50%. Wow. So yeah. like 12 amp hour battery using a three amp charger, there's no... Yeah. Nope, there's no problem at all. It's 0.25C, yep, which is right within that, that range that I, that I encourage using. Another common question probably is, well, how long is my battery going to take to charge? Is that... Yeah, so with lithium, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Okay. Let's, let's just say it's depleted 100%, right? I got a 100 amp hour battery and a 10 amp charger. It's depleted 100%. This will take 10 hours to charge. Yeah, 10 perfect. amps going in there, 10 hours to charge it. Yeah. to get up to that, that 100 amp hour. So yeah, if you've got a 100 amp hour battery with a three amp charger, it would probably take 30 hours to charge. Right, just divide so it in a perfect world, right? There's gonna be some loss, right. so it might actually take slightly longer than perfect math. Correct. 
Correct. Um, lead, lead acid products and AGMs, they have multiple charge stages. So it'll go into, so it, it will take longer, but typically if you use a lithium charger with a lithium battery, it's going to constantly output 10 amps um, to that, to that battery. So in 10 hours, it should be completely charged. Uh, we don't have where it throttles up and down um, in, in a charger like that. Okay. Um, we do have on some of ours, it'll have a built-in heat function. So if the charger gets too hot, it'll actually drop how much power is going out. That's pretty common. Um, uh, but yeah, that's typically how long it's going to take your three amp charger and a 12 amp hour battery would be four hours. Yeah. Do you guys deal with solar at all? Like solar? Cause like, I, I want to do some trips where we're not going to be, we're in the bush, you know, you're not going to be around power or anything like that. And, um, I don't know. We so, played with solar and um, yeah, you can charge lithium with solar. Uh, it, it's there. Solars can be very inefficient. You can't just go out and buy like a little 10, you know, watt, right? 10 okay. watt charger. It would take a 10 watt charger um, with direct sunlight. Um, you know, it would probably take a hundred hours to charge a hundred amp hour battery, right? So okay. you're looking typically larger. They make them in fold out sizes, 50 amp or 50 watt all the way up to 100 watt, right? Okay. So 100 watt, um, for example, could charge a 100 amp hour battery in maybe a little over 10 hours. And that's um, with perfect sun. That's yeah, and that's with perfect sun. So they're more so made for maintaining. But when you're charging them, you have to have what's called a solar charge controller. If, you're, if your panel, solar panel doesn't have it built in, you need a solar charge controller. What it does, it takes the voltage coming from the solar panel and it converts it and charges your battery to the correct voltage, right? So, so you need to have that also if it's not built into your solar panel and that'll convert everything over so it'll charge it uh, uh, properly. Gotcha. So... Yeah. As far as maintaining, if it's yeah. best to be used as, as a way to maintain it, could you put a, hmm. say a 40, 50 amp solar panel on your kayak and have a constant charge coming from the solar panel while you're wow. using the battery? Yep. Yep. So it's a, uh, it, it'll, it'll flow in and flow out. So it'll maintain it while you're, while you're using it. Yeah. I think that's where the value is because then you can just keep your battery charged. You, you use it all day, but you're still, even if you're getting 50% sun, you know, you're getting something put back into it. Yep. That's, Absolutely. That's, well, that's it's just more weight and more, you know, something else <laughs> if you dump it in the water. I don't know how solar panels <laughs> react to being submerged, but they're, they're usually, I usually, you know, people oh, will, true. yeah, when, when, when they, when, when solar comes up, it's usually because somebody wants to get a smaller battery and extend the life of it. Uh, I will usually say get the right battery for your application. Right. Right. But in your case, you're off the grid in yeah. a one-time trip a year, whatever it happens right. to be. It's a great, yeah, it's a great option to maintain that product. Yeah. Okay. And there's, yeah, no concern, but basically you'd need a pretty big panel to get, at least for trolling motors. Now, if you're talking just for me, I, I just have electronic 17.5 yeah. amp hour. not be too bad. You could maybe charge it every night or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. But, or every day. <laughs> I'm just going to send battery. True. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, charge. Good point. Running like running a seven, a seven inch screen on like a 12 amp. I mean, we're probably going to get, I know your, your website does have like the yeah. breakdown for the different brands, but just in general, I mean, I think it's, it's probably safe to say somewhere around 10, 10 hours runtime. Oh gosh. If, if a seven, a seven inch unit usually draws less than an amp. 
Okay. So if your unit draws one amp and you have a 12 amp hour battery, it should last you 12 hours. Oh yeah. I think that 12 amp hour battery, um, I ran that almost eight hours with a Garmin live scope on the ISIS gear with okay. a, with a, with a nine inch. Screen. Yeah. So and those live scopes, they, they demand a lot of power. Yeah. It was like, it was drawing like one and a half amps of, of power or whatever in total. So yeah, I, I, I've had people who will get a 12 amp hour battery, a seven inch screen probably gets you close to, um, you know, 15 to 20 hours of operation. Yeah. I think mine, uh, Lorenz elite TI, it pulls 0.9 amps and that's at full bright running sonar. So, I mean, if you can do stuff like that, I don't know if side imaging is more, I don't know. That's just what came from the manufacturer, but, um, so yeah, like if you have a, one of the smaller ones, like what are they, the strikers or mm-hmm. something, those strikers things are five. probably, what? Yeah, yeah. Like the striker fives and fours that yeah, you draw like a half amp at, at most. Well. Right. Right. Yeah, you can get a six amp hour battery to last, you know, to last the 12 hours. You know? yeah. So as far as, um, hooking stuff up, you know, I want to charge my phone or I want to run some lights. Do you recommend hooking them up to different batteries? Cause I've heard you can get feedback on your fish finder or something. Um, have you ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah. So um, it's usually encouraged that if you're going to be running a trolling motor and a fish finder to isolate them, um, that's more so on older batteries, you know, of interference and, you know, how you're running the wiring. I've had people run their fish finder on their trolling motor graph, but when you think about when your, your, your voltage is very steady and then all of a sudden you kick in your trolling motor and it yeah. drops in voltage. I mean, you're going to, you're going to have some type of interference on your screen. So the isolate is always the best. I run, you know, an 80 amp hour on my, my kayak patrolling motor. And then I ran, run a, a 19 amp hour battery for my graph. Um, and I, I probably go two days with, with each on it, but I never have to worry about that interference or, you know, drawing too much power out of one. Okay. Uh, your, and then to your uh, point of the lights and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you could go, I mean, you could really go off of however you want to do it. If you want to have a dedicated battery for USB and other components, yes. Otherwise you could probably run that. It, a phone's drawing very little power. Um, so yeah, you can isolate stuff to a separate battery or run it off of one of your others. It's just more so that trolling motor that draws yeah. so much power. I, I would, I would typically recommend keeping those. So isolated. It's more for, you know, large, large demanding, uh, power products Correct. Uh, yes. that creates that interference. And, and obviously like if you get interference into your electrical system, it could, um, you know, show different on your graph maybe your transducer is not sending the right signal or it's not picking it up properly. So um, that's always why it's recommended to always separate your fish finder and other electric, you know, other uh, systems. Yep. But that's interesting. I didn't know, you know, I thought it was just across the board cause I, I run GoPros and stuff like that. And I always like to uh, have a constant uh, power source, you know, so that I'm not changing batteries every 30 minutes and I can run it on looping mode. Um, but I was always concerned with running that on my, fish finder circuit so that's interesting knowing that if i wanted to i could connect that in and uh and definitely you know run my gopros uh, and my fish finder at the same time yeah because gopro is going to be a different voltage so that device will convert the voltage down to uh set nine volts or whatever it is needed for usb for charging them yeah 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 interesting 
Yeah, um, Dan, I, I think we covered a lot of the, a lot of the big stuff, you know, like one of the, if they're waterproof, like that was a big question for me. Like if, if you dump over, chances are maybe where you have your battery stored is probably within a compartment, I would think. Do you recommend putting them inside of another waterproof like box or? Yeah, so there are some companies that have made, you know, waterproof boxes, ice hole power. There's a few out there. It's always good to keep a battery, you know, you can have it, yeah, just sitting right out on your kayak. It could take rain, it could take splashes. Um, I don't okay. ever recommending submerging. Although we do have an IP rating on these where we've tested, I've tested one up to 20 minutes. Um, I can't guarantee that on every single one of them. And I don't think that there's a company out there that really can guarantee yeah. if submerged for a long period of time that, you know, you're not going to have some type of seepage in the battery and, and causing damage, but protect your investment somehow in a box in, you know, inside of an enclosure, use the dielectric grease. Those things will help ensure that the battery is going to last longer. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, I've seen batteries that, have, that we've had out there for three plus years that look like they're brand new. And I guess what they're, they're all still working like they were brand new. It's because people are taking care of them. Uh, it's, it's important to do with anything that you have. Right. Absolutely. Um, so battery, not, you know, excluded from that. If you could put it in a, in a tray or a bag or whatever it happens to be to protect it from elements, uh, the longer it's going to last. So heat buildup, isn't necessarily a concern on these? If you stick it inside a waterproof uh, case, like a steel case, yeah, I mean, it heats heat less likely on lithium than like lead and other 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 yeah. types of batteries. Yeah, lithium iron phosphate has a very wide range of working temperature. So and you um, you probably recommend storing them upright, but let's say uh, room is a concern and I need to store it sideways or upside down. I don't know. Like, yeah. does it matter? No, so you know, there's no, there's nothing wet in here. Not like the wet cell battery. I have to worry about okay. it spilling out. So okay. these cells are are in here, kind of like using a AAA battery, AA battery. It doesn't matter which direction it's in; it'll still work. Same with the lithium build. The way this is built, it's 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 built best to be up this way, but it'll work just fine. You know, sitting down in a different direction. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much all the questions that we have. Um, I I'm pretty excited about this episode. I feel like we covered a lot of, a lot of information and there's, a there's so much knowledge in here for, for the consumer to, you know, take a minute, listen and, uh, educate themselves before they, they buy a lithium battery. Yeah. yeah. Or battery. Yeah. It, it, I think there's a lot of stuff out there. It's very intimidating to go into this because a lot of us don't work with electricity or really understand what we're getting into. And it, it's it's intimidating because you are spending a decent amount of money for a good battery. So you want to make sure you're, you're going to get what you need and you're going right. to be able to power your electronics throughout what your needs are, which vary. So, um, so how do, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can you can check us out. We got a lot of good information. We we try to add as much content as possible, frequently asked questions, battery user guides, uh, fit guides, and all that. And it's uh, just at ampedoutdoors.com, a m p e d outdoors.com. Um, you can reach us anytime. We're on Facebook, social media. We reply to to requests there. Um, uh, and uh, our email. If somebody has, you know, if you just have a basic question, whether it's our product, somebody else's product, we're we're here to answer any questions you may have. We're here to help out. So you, it's just simple. Sales at ampedoutdoors.com, and uh, we'll get back to you typically within one business day uh, to take care of your needs. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. 
Yeah, well, we love your product. We love uh, what you're doing. And we look forward to seeing any future technology that you guys are working on over there. Um, yeah, we're working on some stuff, so. Oh, yeah? You'll see. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Always working on something. Sure. Well, <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining us today. Oh, pleasure. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, man. Yep. You bet. Yep. Take care, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Bye. Right. Hey folks, thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new along the way. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at yaktasticdukeofishing at gmail.com or look me up on Facebook. Hey guys, Chuck Earls here. You can reach me on social media. You can send me an email, drop me a line. I will link all my contact information down in the description below. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. We will see you on the next episode. And remember, for me, fishing is life.